Rogers, who the only place he's going to take it to is the toilet bowl. And then you got Brett Favre, who will take it to the Super Bowl. I do like me a triple butter burger with cheese and the works, you know, ketchup, mustard, pickles. Could the package be really good? Yeah, I certainly would love that. But also to say that, is this look like a rebuild? Probably. If you think we're in a rebuild, then you got the wrong team. QB1, man. Come on, man. Let's QB in the lead right here. What's up, John Money? What's up, guys? This is Jeff Giannis. And Giannis does not stop it. Oh, please. What a cat. That's insane. You're listening to the Poor Man's Packers Podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Poor Man's Packers Podcast, the one Packers Podcast in the state of our minds. I am Spencer, joined this week with, oh God, Billy, Todd, and Andrew Boys. Hello. Hello. Hey, gentlemen. Okay. And we are all here. Welcome to the... Wow, fifth year of having a bi-week bonanza. I think this is like our, geez, it might be our, what, seventh, eighth, because we had the the playoff buys, but an extraordinary event, something everyone's been looking forward to. Um, but I guess before we get into it too much, Andrew, you you have returned, you are now married, you are a husband, you went to Key West for your honeymoon. Do you have anything to tell us? Yeah, Um Packer fans, actually, we met one at the night of the game. The was it a Thursday night game? Well, I was gone. Yeah, yeah. And he like came, and we like we knew he was from Wisconsin, but we didn't talk for like the first quarter. He found out we were from Wisconsin because we were cheering. He mm-hmm. did like three shots with us, and this was like a two hundred fifty pound guy. His girlfriend came, picked him up, did not see the second half, and we're like, "Yep, that makes sense." Wisconsin on vacation, right there. So I was like. <laughs> Well, you made a friend. But, yeah, we did. No, he was an awesome guy for the first half of the game. Did you tell him about the podcast? No, you know, I didn't. I didn't. That's, I, prob- uh, that's probably hadn't been on better. in a few weeks, so I wanted him, if I were to tell it, you know, I wanted mm-hmm. to recognize a familiar voice to feel comfortable. Um, that That's fair. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> Very good. We are so happy to have you back, Andrew. Well, I'm Hopefully, happy to be here. Mostly in the background, but we will have... <laughs> <laughs> Our bi-week bonanza episode, we'll start things off with the preview, actually. We'll talk about the Packers a little bit and then have a preview of the Broncos game. Finally having football back. Such a weird, like, three games in a row of break, break, break. Um, we'll have take news. You know, everyone loves it when I talk about Mark Murphy, I'm sure. But we'll talk about Mark Murphy, a clip back from March when I had an exclusive interview with Jason Wildey where he pretty much confirms... My beliefs that Mark Murphy changed the power structure of the Green Bay Packers for his own personal reasons. Uh, we'll have, is Kyle an idiot in there somewhere? And then we're also going to have a Packers backyard football draft in honor of flag football now being a Olympic sport, they announced. Uh, it's like 2028, though. We got to wait a little bit, I think. Yeah, I mean, we already had yep. this. We had this planned, already to do, and then I found that news. So I was like, okay, we'll just pretend like that's why we did it. So we'll do that. Uh, no, no, Favre, Rogers, or Bart Starr allowed. We're all taking a quarterback, really? running back, wideout, tight end, and a flex player. So that'll be very fun. <laughs> I think it's going to get stupid, and then we'll have we'll finish off with some bold predictions for the rest of the year. But we'll get right into it. The Packers are once again going to play football this week after a nice long little break and getting healthy. I'm sure you guys saw the Packers practicing earlier this week. 
Aaron Jones was back practicing, and we do have a little bit of news to talk about. Uh, Packers signed James Robinson, the old Jaguars running back from a couple years ago who was an undrafted guy. Uh, he signed on with the Giants this preseason. I'm sure some people by now have seen the cut-up that Justice Mosqueda put on Twitter of him not looking very good, but just confirms that Patrick Taylor will not be returning to the team on the practice squad. I feel bad for him. It literally, and um, someone said today that uh, it was the Packers' decision, not Patrick Taylor's, to not have him back on the practice squad. So they literally used him up as much as they could for his practice for his practice squad elevations to the active roster. And they were like, oh, we can't do this anymore. We don't watch on the 53. Smell you later. So now who knows what's going on with his NFL career. We also signed Anthony Johnson, a corner. So we have an Anthony Johnson Jr. and an Anthony Johnson. So now all we need mm-hmm. is an Anthony Johnson Senior. Yes. <laughs> and uh, the only guys not practicing this week were Quay and Campbell. It sounds like Quay, if either of the two are going to play, would be him after that knee injury he suffered against the Raiders. And Eric Stokes is still practicing. So everyone but Quay and Campbell were practicing this week, which is good. Obviously, Aaron Jones practiced the previous week and didn't end up playing. But getting healthy... <laughs> I mean, the bye week came at kind of a good time where we had to, one, get healthy, two, kind of settle back in after a bit of a, you know, decline after looking really good at the beginning of the year. But we've had a full week to, I don't know, look at the team. I'll run through these stats now, some team stats. Uh, on offense, points per game, we are 13th. We are 28th in yards per game, which isn't good. Uh, rush yards, we're, we're getting with 3.5 yards per carry, 25th in the league, pretty bad. And then passing yards, we are 22nd in yards per pass. We're still pretty good in all the red zone, third down and all that shit. Uh, we are 10th best for time sacked and yards per game. We are 21st. So a little bit better passing than running. And then on defense, obviously we are not very good at stopping the run. We're giving eight the giving away the 28th most rush yards per game, 153, the 22nd most points overall, and everything else is pretty mid for passing numbers. So pretty average defense all around, pretty average passing game all around outside of completion percentage, which is bad in a bad running game. How are we feeling about the team? You know, we had a week off. Any, are we feeling a little bit more optimistic after, you know, ridding ourselves of football for the weekend with the Green Bay Packers? Todd, how are you feeling? I think you just hit the nail on the head. This is an exciting electric team. A lot of fast performers. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, big plays. Yeah, big plays. It's really just an electric squad. Um, no, I guess not feeling great about the team. Hopefully they get healthy. I think Aaron Jones is a big piece that we need back, but. You got to ask yourself how much can Aaron Jones really create in this offense if the passing game doesn't get open and they can really key on him. I don't know. We'll see. If you put if you put nine guys in the box, it's really hard to run. So well, we said it last week too. If if he was healthy through these first five games, we're true. probably a four and one team. That's true. It does. They play off each other, and maybe that opens up the pass game. But I don't know. I guess I'm starting to lose a little bit of faith in our uh, quarterback a little bit. Just that completion percentage looks horrible week after week after week and it just doesn't i don't see it getting better i don't know i'm getting a little discouraged but by week post by week maybe that's a good time to turn things around i want to ask what you guys think about jair's comments after last week's game where he was like you know i couldn't tell if he was being sarcastic i guess when he was like you know we got a young squad up on the offense 
it's our job to not let them or clearly it's our job to not let them score more than 13 points or something like that, which was like pretty great to hold the def- you know, to hold another team to under, you know, 20 points or whatever. So when he says that, I'm like, is he just dogging on him or is he like kind no, of actually I, taking responsibility because he's that much of like a, a team guy? I didn't think his comments were too bad because he 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 didn't really, you know, talk down about them too much. You said they're really young and they are, and they are more veteran defense and they, you know, they held up their end of the bargain offense, obviously scoring what 13 points or whatever isn't enough. So I, if anyone gets offended by Jair's comments, then no, I just didn't know if he was being sarcastic. I thought it was funny either way. No, I I just didn't know if he was dogging or if he was actually taking responsibility. Like he's a stand up dude. Like we got to really do our part. It's like, dude, you did. I mean, he's, he's, not wrong. Like if his point is, if you guys are only going to score 13 points, then for us to win, we need to allow less than 13. <laughs> and we didn't do that. Yeah. But I, I could also understand it the other way. Like, are you fucking kidding me? We held him to 17 points and right. you're going to come out and score 13. But it's that being said, to... I don't think any of us, including anybody on the team, expected this to be a team, to your point, Todd, that's going to go out and score 30 points a game. Yeah, true. But I don't know. I'm still feeling a little bit better about this team. It's once again, like I said last week, it's mostly we need we need to get out of this Broncos game without losing. If we lose this Broncos game, it's going to be the end of the world. If we beat them, then it's like, OK, cool. We can wipe our hands. Then we have the Vikings after that. Hopefully we can even if we lose to the Vikings, it's like, OK, that wouldn't be great. But we need to after this streak we're on of some negative offensive game plans and some, you know, output we need to write the ship, and when you're going up against, well, we'll get right into the preview right now. The Denver Broncos, you better, do, you better play better. Due to oh unfortunate God. bets I've made, I've actually seen every Broncos game this season, and they're the <laughs> most incompetent, inept thing to watch on on TV. You've it been missing the Packers games. No, I, like, I but oh. I like the Packers at least, so I'm like heartfelt in it. With the Broncos, it's like I'm cursing Russell Wilson's name. Like you would think he like leaves sh- shit on my doorstep. But it, it is, he's an awful, I mean, the whole organization just cannot put anything together in motion at all. And here's, here's my fear going into this game is everybody's shitting on the Broncos. We've yep. been looking ahead to the Broncos for two weeks and we just saw it on Sunday. We say it, you know, every single year, but any given Sunday in this league, right? We saw it with the Jets over the Eagles. We saw it with the Browns with a backup quarterback against the 49ers. Like, I don't. I don't know that any of us in our right minds would have picked either of those two games correctly. So it just gives me a little pause going on the road at Denver, playing in the altitude, coming off of a bye. I don't know that we have a fantastic track record off the bye under LaFleur. So yes, yes. Getting into it. Uh, Broncos, we're playing in Bronco land in Colorado in Denver, uh, 325 kickoff, a CBS game, which we don't get a ton of. And something else, it is Kevin Harlan and Trent Green on the call. We don't get Kevin Mm. Harlan very often, so it's cool to have that kind of preseason announcer during the regular season. And Trent Green is the most, like, I don't know, 2005 football player ever. I feel like he's the last uh, player from, like, low-definition until like high definition like he never had a game where you could like actually see the football field i know he just always lives in that world for me but yeah broncos are terrible they're one in five after losing eight to 19 last week they have now lost 16 straight games to the chiefs which is pretty close to what we had against the lions at lambo during the farvin rogers era i believe um 
And they obviously lost to the Jets the week before that in the uh, Nathaniel Hackett revenge game. This week, the Packers are favored by one point. The over-under is 45 points. On defense, like I said, they're pretty bad. They're giving up the most points per game in the league in 33.3, repeating, of course, 32nd in the league. But don't don't let that fool you because in yards per game, they're giving up 440.3, which is also worse in the league. So they're a really, really bad defense overall. Uh, Nick Benito is like one of the only guys to talk about second year outside linebacker with five and a half sacks, nine tackles for loss, a forced fumble. Uh, he's been getting more snaps since they moved on from Randy Gregory and that other outside linebacker that they had to start the year. Uh, Patrick Sertain is a pretty solid corner for him. But outside of that, that's pretty much all they have. It's crazy how they went from being one of the best defenses in the league last year under Evero, and now they are legitimately the worst. Uh, and then on offense, you know, 17th in points per game, 21st in yards per game, 4th in yards per carry, but they only run the 19th most in the league, so they don't run the ball too much. Playing um, from behind. Playing from behind, true. Uh, very average passing game. They get, 20, they get sacked the 26th most in the league. Obviously, Russell Wilson is the quarterback. Uh, Javonta Williams is their main running back. But Jaleel McLaughlin, their second or their backup running back, is averaging 6.6 yards a carry. However, last week, uh, Williams had seven carries to or oh, sorry, Williams had 10 carries to uh, McLaughlin's seven. So he's still not their lead guy. They have Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, who had a run in with Steve Smith last week. Marvin Mims, who are their leading receivers, all with about 200 yards receiving each. Then there's Adam Troutman, the tight end, and Greg Dolchich, who is more of an explosive playmaker, but he's going back from his injury. But that's it. That is the Denver Broncos, a very bad defensive team, a very average offensive team. Pretty big game as far as vibes for the season. Todd, how are you feeling? I think I think you got to win this by two scores. I mean, this is a this is looking on paper. It looks like a pretty bad team. But to your point, any given Sunday, who knows what's going to happen? I don't necessarily expect one by two scores, but I guess my feeling is this is this is probably one of the worst defenses that the NFL has put out in a while from the sounds of it. I don't watch a lot of Broncos games, but this I mean, on paper, they look pretty bad. So we got to go out there. Jordan Love needs to throw the ball around the field. Aaron Jones run the ball a little bit. Get some wheels going. Yeah, I don't know. It's I, I don't feel great just because of the way we went into the bye. And then like we talked about just briefly, you know, LaFleur coming out of the bye isn't too exciting. I still think we'll win. But yeah, for what it's worth, I'm just I'm a little going into the bye was kind of rough. So I do wonder too how much I obviously didn't care enough to go back and you know, do my own stats, but how much that one Miami game with the 70 points and however many yards they put up, how much that is skewed there. That's a good point. Stats, yeah. But if you take that out, maybe it's not such a bad defense. Yeah. yeah. I mean, They'll, what did the Dolphins have in that game? Six or 700 yards of offense? I was going to say, I thought it was like 800. Wasn't I could it be wrong. 799? <laughs> yeah. I thought it was like 799 or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I glad mean, we any, played the Dolphins last year. You, you get into record-breaking territory, like it's going to screw some numbers up. I mean, they they just held the Kansas City Chiefs to 19 points. Yeah, true. And maybe that was because it was a Thursday night game. The Chiefs were kind of sleepwalking, but still. 376 passing, 350 rushing. Okay, there you go. That's, yeah, that's 726, if my math is correct. I believe you. You're correct. 
Um, um, I I look at the Broncos and again, I think it's a team that we should beat. It's a team that I sure hope we beat. Um, because like you said, Spencer, if we don't, the sky is going to be falling and things are going to look really bad the rest of the year. Um, but I, I feel like it, it can kind of be a little bit of a get right game for us. Maybe get the, the ball moving a little bit. Maybe we, maybe Matt LaFleur's cooked up something in the passing game. That's going to get Jordan Love some confidence going. So I'll be interested to see if we come out with a little bit of a different game plan. That's it would also one be nice. Oh, I was gonna say it'd be nice you to piece like, of shit. <laughs> um, you know, with our division here, with the Vikings hopefully losing Monday Night Football to the Niners, solidify a second place in the NFC North, being three and two, it would feel really good, like just to not be so miserably embarrassing. Well, I mean, it's been bad. It hasn't been terrible. If we if we if lose we, to the Broncos, it absolutely then, will be. Yes. Is what I'm saying. Yes, yes. Then it would be. And I, uh, Bill, you were talking about setting up something on offense for Matt Lafleur. One of the things before you know the bye week started in his presser, and they were you know asking him what he was going to do, and he kind of joked how he's going to watch some tape to steal some things. And I'm like, haha, yes, that is funny, and that's what the league does. But at the same time, it's like. I don't know if he's creative enough to come up with his own like great plays, you know, and he's the first one to give credit to someone else. You know, like I forgot what play it was earlier this year that worked well. That was a trick play, but he said Jason Vrabel came up with that. I've never heard of a play that was like, ah, this one was my play. So it's just funny to hear like ah, the offense is off track. Well, I got to steal some plays from other teams so that we can figure out how to run a competent offense. Do you think he had enough time, enough time to watch film in the past week to steal an entire offense? Maybe he could steal an entire offense and we Only... can run that offense. <laughs> Only I don't think we tell. have the personnel to run whatever that offense is effectively if we can't run our own effectively. Maybe he could go watch tape and like steal the Shanahan offense. Wouldn't that be? Well, that's what, it, that's what it is. It's them, uh, the Niners, the Dolphins, and uh, the Lions, I believe, is what people have said he's probably looking at. But it's like, yeah, you might as well like watch Mike McCarthy offense where he's going back to like the old school, just dumb shit where that might be easier for this team to we're just up. gonna come out running like the wing t he's like had yeah. some old west virginia <laughs> film lying around he's like we're gonna run the wing t nobody will stop us yes uh <laughs> we'll see i do still miss is that. that a bold prediction todd no he definitely couldn't pick up the wing t <laughs> okay good it's yes too, too complex with that, uh, predictions, score predictions, I'll start things off. I have the Packers winning. I hope to God that they do. Uh, 28 to 17. Uh, it's, I don't know. It, I feel like most scores have kind of been around there. Um, especially this year, we got to put up some more points. Like if we, <sighs> I'm thinking of like if we win a game where it's like 15 to 13 or some shit like that or 17 to 14 it's like are we really gonna feel that much better no. about this team especially like if it's all first half points which would be funny I think we only have or through this run we've only had six points in the first half over the last three games like if we had 14 in the first half I think we'd feel pretty good going into the halftime but then if we ended up winning we'd be like well, what the hell was that second half? So I don't know. Hopefully some optimism, multiple touchdowns, 28-17 Packers. Am I going next? I'm going to say 17-9, a real barn burner. We're coming out hot off the bye week. LeFleur's pulling out all the stops. We put up 17 points. The defense holds up their end of the deal, nine points. Billy? 
So and I'm going to kind of jump the gun a little bit on my bold prediction because they do go hand in hand. Oh, God. Okay. Um, initially, I was thinking about a bold prediction in terms of the offense really putting a lot of points on the board and shocking us. And then I decided, no, that's just too ridiculous for us. So I'm going to go rely on the defense and say that the defense holds the Broncos without a touchdown. Mm. I think think this is a kind of game where we get off to a slow start. At halftime, maybe we're up by a score of, say, 7-6, to six, and we're pulling our hair out wondering what in the world is going on with this team. We score two touchdowns in the second half, pull away for a convincing 21-6 to six victory. I was going to seven to six at halftime sounds right. Like, I feel like that's probably going to happen. Andrew? Yeah, I just got a simple 13 to 27, us coming out on top. Very I like cool. exactly what Billy said, just one touchdown in the mix. <laughs> okay. Uh, bold predictions. Again, something that's probably not going to happen to mine is incredibly bold. I have Tucker Craft scoring a touchdown. I believe he only has two receptions in his career to this point. He's had a really lackluster rookie year. Um, but yes, I have Tucker Craft scoring a touchdown. Todd? Uh, I have Jordan Love over 60% completion percentage. Bold prediction. <sighs> God, I, Has he done that yet, Andrew? No. Can you look that up That's, no, in a single not. game? No, not, not this year. <laughs> oh, God. That's okay. my bold prediction. We're going to get one of these. What's the most he's had this year? I have Russell Wilson throwing three-plus interceptions. Okay. Sure. I'll allow that. that. I like it. I could see that happening, too. He, I don't know. People have talked about how he he's taking more sacks so that his completion percentage doesn't go down. That's one <laughs> rumor going on with how he's been playing. Ooh. So I guess it would be nice if we see <laughs> some of his I cannot imagine way. that is his strategy. Apparently, I don't know. People were saying that, so it has to be true. It absolutely has to be true. But uh, can I get a referendum on Todd's uh, bold prediction? What? Jordan Love con- completed sixty-four percent of his passes against Detroit, but has not been above fifty-six ah. in any other game. Okay, thank you. All right, well, okay. Andrew, right. very good. Oh, I thought that was just on second and long. All right, Andrew, over okay. over one thus far as the. Can fact I checker. do? Can I change it then? <laughs> It'll be his highest completion percentage ever. Nothing over sixty-five percent, or he there gets over sixty-five percent. Okay, there, okay, direction. that that is definitely bold. I will accept that. Perfect, incredibly, incredibly bold. And with that, we will have take news. Football time. <laughs> Take news. All right, take news for the week. Mark Murphy. I don't like Mark Murphy. If you've listened to this podcast for long enough, you know I don't like Mark Murphy. So one of the reasons why I don't like him is I've been thinking about him for a while and all this stupid shit he's done to reorganize the structure of the football operations of the Green Bay Packers. So this is a clip back from March. Uh, I called into, like I said, exclusive interview. I uh, called into Wilde and Tausch. This was the day after Mark Murphy had his comments um, on the woman or the girls high school hockey tournament where he pretty much confirmed that they were going to trade Aaron Rodgers, yada, yada, yada. Just stupid. Just that that was pretty much what confirmed that was going on. So that was the talking point of the day. People were talking about Mark Murphy. So I asked Wildy about my, you know, my little conspiracy theory of why it's structured the way it is. And just so everyone has all the background information for what I'm talking about here, 
before 1991, the Packers uh, structure was the president slash board of directors were involved in football decisions, which is pretty stupid to do. It's kind of like, you know, an owner today meddling into football operations. Unheard of. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Jerry Jones. Yeah, all that type of stuff. So when Ron Wolf was interviewing for the job and had it offered to him, he said he would only take the job if he was in charge of all football operations. Bob Harlan, the great president that he was, said, okay, I will give up whatever power this organization has. I know you are good at football things. Made him GM. And since then, reorganizing the structure, every the coach, money guy, you know, all the football stuff reports to the GM. Then in 2018, after uh, Ted Thompson was fired, Mark Murphy said publicly that you know he was looking for the next GM, and the GM would have the same exact role that T- Ted Thompson had, where everyone reports to him. So this is my call into Wildey and Touch. Let's talk to Spencer in Minnesota. Spencer, good morning, buddy. How are you? Uh, I'm all right. Uh, I guess never never great after Mark Murphy talks, but Jason, I have a theory I want to run by you. I've been thinking about this for years. Well, I guess since 2018, but why Mark Murphy changed the power structure of the Packers. Ooh, tell me more. You ready? Yeah. Oh, I'm ready. 2018, Ted Thompson fired, whatever moves on, worked through that. Mark Murphy says publicly, whoever is going to be named GM is going to have the same type of role as Ted Thompson. Mm-hmm. Later on, going through that process, Tom Silverstein reports that Russ Ball is the front runner to be the GM of the Green Bay Packers. There's some public pushback because of this. Also, later on, Tom Silverstein reports that Mike McCarthy did not want Russ Ball to be the GM. Also, someone else, one Jason Wildey, said that Aaron Rodgers did not want Russ Ball to be the GM. So, is Mark Murphy trying to keep everyone happy, he changes what the what the president's role is going to be and what the GM's role is going to be. And is, uh, I obviously don't know this, Mark Murphy and Russ Ball are kind of close. Isn't Russ Ball kind of his right-hand man? Yeah, yep, 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 keep going. So anyway, so I think he promised him that piece, you know, that I think that either A, Mark Murphy change the role of the president so that he can have more influence and have Russ Ball help him out. Or also two years from now, when he retires, he's going to push for Russ Ball to be the president of the Green Bay Packers. Along with that, there's even more evidence of this. Just a couple of weeks ago, Rob Demosky reports that this Brinker guy working in the front office is moving on to the Patriots or whatever team. However, in his tweet, he reports that it seemed like he was being groomed to be the next, Russ Ball, who just signed a contract extension last year. So why would we be grooming this guy to be the next Russ Ball when Russ Ball is already there? And there's all these other things, too. I don't know. It seems like this was the easiest way that Mark Murphy could keep his buddy around and give him more power later on. Spencer, your theory is... Very likely correct, I would tell you. Uh, I I definitely think, and thanks for the call. <laughs> yes. I think I think he was hoping that that you were going to tell him. Like, I think he's excited that he like figured this all out and his theory might be correct. But I think he's also depressed that his theory is also correct. Uh, I I I believe very firmly that Mark Murphy wanted to do right by Russ Ball. Uh, Spencer is right that 
Tom Silverstein reported what he did about how uh, how Mike McCarthy felt about the possibility of Russ Ball being the GM. He's also right that I reported how Aaron Rodgers felt about the possibility of Russ Ball being GM. The irony is that I get the sense that maybe Russ Ball is the last remaining Aaron Rodgers stan among the people that work in that building. So that's ironic, uh, which I find really uh, intriguing. The bottom line is this. Uh, I do think he wanted to make it so Russ Ball was still in a very important role and that he got some sort of consolation prize because he really did want Russ Ball to be the GM. And so I do think Spencer's theory has merit. Um, Whether or not it remained that or if then once he got a taste of being a little more of a power role, he decided to uh, utilize that power. That's a question I can't answer. All right. So a lot there. I know there's a long clip, too, but at least, you know, my awesome voice was in the majority of it. Um, So, again, Wildy doesn't confirm anything there. You know, he got in some hot water last year when we talked about the whole Jordan Love thing, how he would request a trade if, uh, (laughs) if, you know, if Rogers was still around last year, you know, that started from this stupid podcast and he still references how people think that he started the rumor about Jordan Love demanding a trade, blah, blah, blah. But anyways, he basically says that he thinks, and I would assume there's other knowledge he knows of things inner workings behind the scenes for why this happened. But again, down to the basics, Mark Murphy changed the entire power structure of the Green Bay Packers because if nothing else, he wanted his buddy Russ Ball around. And that part's kind of interesting, too. I didn't say it off the top. So Russ Ball is the contract guy. He's a cap wizard. He signs, he gets all the contracts together for the Packers. And like I said there, he was rumored to be the front runner for the GM after Ted Thompson was fired. And Russ Ball is a interesting dude. We've talked about him a little bit in the past, but he's one of those guys that just, it seems like his goal is just, to always move up within an organization. This is what he's done through his NFL career here. He started as the head strength and conditioning coach at Missouri. The next year, he was the assistant strength and conditioning coach for the Kansas City Chiefs. After that, he was the administrative assistant to the head coach of the Chiefs. Then for two years, he worked with the Minnesota Vikings as a senior football administrator, director of football administration for the uh, Washington Redskins in 2001. And then from 2002 to 2005, he was the senior football administrator for the Saints. At that time, Mike McCarthy was the quarterback coach or offensive coordinator for the Saints. I forgot what he was, but that's where he met Russ Ball, and they actually kindred a friendship there, which leads me to how things ended so after that 2008 to 2017 he's the vice president of football uh, administration and player finance for the green bay packers mccarthy and russ ball's relationship severed after it came out that mike mccarthy didn't want russ ball to be the gm which brings me back to something that i've brought up in the past too how i think mike mccarthy getting fired right after that cardinals game is because Russ Ball got in to Mark Murphy's ear and wanted it to be embarrassing when they were moving on from Mike McCarthy, who they used to be buddies, and then he publicly said that he didn't want him to be the GM. Um, Anyways, I think it's very interesting. Again, the bottom line is Mike McCarthy changed the structure of this franchise, so either his buddy would stick around or perhaps setting him up to be the next president of the Green Bay Packers by one, keeping him around, but two, changing this role 
So Russ Ball would seem like a more attractive candidate to be president when football stuff is going on rather than these other people who they're talking about. Like there's this woman in the uh, fan, fan outreach department uh, at Policy who was in charge of the Titletown shit. But either way, I know I talked a lot there for like 10 minutes probably. But is am I crazy or is this something that we should be concerned about? I think this whole thing was a ruse so you could replay the radio show telling you that you were probably correct. Yes. And yes. clout. <laughs> yes. Well, so I, I just want to point out. So first of all, Jason Wildey, in my opinion, is one of the more respected um, beat guys that the Packers have. And yes. I've I've listened to him for several years, even back before I moved to Minnesota, listened to him on the radio online may or may not have called in once or twice oh. never never saved it because it was not here. nearly as remember, as memorable as this but what i took away from it number one was when spencer you said that you had a theory about this wildy sounded legitimately excited about this <laughs> yeah. and that is i i called the, in years ago too and i like in 2020 when we were going through the shit with rogers i called in and i had the whole and we play on the podcast the what what is Mark Murphy good at? And there was nothing. So he knew, I guess, that I don't like Mark Murphy. Sorry, continue. And then at the end, he basically said, you're you're not wrong. You are most likely correct. And for somebody that has the sources and the insight and the knowledge into the inner workings of the organization that none of us ass clowns are ever going to have, I think is pretty damning for the validity of your argument. Yes, and he's been with the team for 30 years. Him and Tom Silverstein have been covering the Packers longer than anyone else. I think Tom has him by like a year or two. But since 1995, I believe Wildey's been covering the team. Todd? I think the answer to your question is yes, you are crazy. Um, Thank you. But sometimes, you know, it takes crazy to know crazy. And I think we've talked about this at length, too, in the past. You know, I think you developing this theory took probably like a year or two, maybe. Um, going through the whole McCarthy stuff and then, you know, obviously stuff with Rogers too. But I originally thought Russ Ball was sticking around because he wanted to, to like make the Packers worse almost. Like after he wasn't made GM, I thought he was just going to like work against. Yeah. You Goody thought he was sabotaging. Ford. Yes. You, yeah, that was your original theory. If I remember <laughs> yeah. right, was you thought yeah. he was sabotaging. You've always had the theory of the Mark Murphy incompetence. I don't think that has yes. changed. I think that's I always think a been lot there. of people have that theory. Fair. For, for me, yes. the Russ Ball thing, if because Mark Murphy said after they changed the power structure and hired Goody, that Russ Ball, Goody, and at the time, Mike McCarthy would all be on the same level. Well, if Russ Ball is in charge of the contract, what if he doesn't want to move around Aaron Rodgers' right. money? And that's a huge, huge thing. That's kind of what I was getting at. Yeah. I mean, I think... Like Wildy said, I mean, it seems to make sense, and if Wildy buys into it, I think that's a pretty good, you know, indication that it's there's probably a lot of truth to it, right? I mean, it's it's interesting, and also maybe not so surprising that Mark Murphy would go way out of his way for a buddy. Um, yeah, I guess just not super surprising, knowing the history of Mark Murphy, that maybe it wouldn't just be business; it would be oh. It's a, you know, Talk about like, something inappropriate. Oh, I'm going to get my buddy a job. Oh, I like talking, and Russ really likes my jokes. He's always the guy <laughs> Russ, laughing. Russ always laughs. And the other thing that's weird about Russ Ball, and even like this offseason, they've had a lot of cool interviews with different scouts and other people who work in the front office. 
we have never heard Russ Ball speak. He's never spoke to the media, and he is as powerful, like I keep saying, as Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst, and we never he never has to talk. He never has. It's all just very, very strange. And like I said, at the end of the day, I just want to know who to blame. I want I'm not even a huge Goody guy, but make him, you know, put it back to how it was, make him in charge of everything. I think we'd have some, you know, if Goody was actually Matt's boss, I think things would be a lot different than how they're being run right now. Because right now, they're still kind of competing against each other, I'd say, for job security, because it's not, you know, it's not just Matt listening to Goody. It's who is more valuable. And when shit hits the fan, who's more likely to go? And right now, it's looking like the coach. The other weird thing that I have here is you brought up that Russ Ball has literally never spoken to the media. I remember Goody speaking to the media several times, especially during draft season before he mm-hmm. became GM. You know, Elliot Wolf was the same way. So that when Ted Thompson was getting to the twilight of his career, we had a pretty good idea of who was going to be in the conversation to take over if we were going to promote from within. So it's just odd to me that Mark Murphy, who is the public face of the Green Bay Packers organization, if he's been grooming this guy for years to take over for him, why has he never spoken to the media? Why is why is it so hush-hush, especially when we know exactly what the sunset date is on Mark Murphy's career? Yeah, I, I don't know. It's... It's weird. You know, it's also one of those things where when you look at it, it's like, well, does the media really have to talk to the contract guy? But it's been so long and they're so aware of this dude. I'm sure they would have questions like, here's a good one. What's your job? What What are your day-to-day responsibilities? And that, that's kind of a weird open-ended question that is kind of odd and oppressor. But again, with how much power he has, we should know a little bit more about the guy. Even Ed Policy, we've heard him talk, you know, and he put together title town and shit. We've never heard from Russ Ball. I have one more thought that I wanted to make, and I kind of kind of mentioned it, but I want to kind of look at this from another, Uh-oh. through another prism, if I can. Yeah, and I'll it go, allow it. It goes back to the nepotism that goes on, not just in our organization, but throughout the NFL. I mean, number one, Mark Murphy, his relationship with Russ Ball, trying to get, you know, build him up and get him new positions. Is he trying to groom him to take over as president of the Green Bay Packers? Um Joe Barry's daughter, whatever the heck it is, Mary. Yep, yep. Like, is that why Joe Barry is still around? I mean, Goody, I think, has worked out okay as yeah. GM. But, you know, we we promoted from within, you know, with the GM. We've held on to Mike Pettin too long in the past. We held on to Dom Capers too long in the past. You know, promoted a an assistant special teams coordinator, Mo Drayton, Um when Ron Zook got fired, it's like, why does it? Why is it so difficult for this organization to go find somebody from outside of the the walls at twelve sixty five Lombardi Avenue? And again, I've said this a few, way too many times on the podcast, but one of the first things Mark Murphy did when he was the new president and Matt Lafleur was taking over as head coach was he did not allow Matt Lafleur to pick his special teams coordinator because he's Mark Murphy said it was too expensive and now he made Rich Basaccia the highest paid special teams coach in the league and I don't know if you remember how the playoffs ended in 2021 but it was the special teams would have been much better if Darren Rizzi was the special teams coordinator and he's still a great one he's he's uh, with the Saints now but like legitimately that Niners loss I 100% blame on Mark Murphy because of how he fucked up the coaching staff and the special teams but uh yeah 
with that, I think we've probably exhausted the Mark Murphy talk that we needed. We will do something completely different now. The, <laughs> like I said, the backyard football Packers draft. This is since the inception of the Green Bay Packers in 1920 or 1921, whichever way you want to look at it. All those players are available outside of Rodgers, uh, Favre, and Starr at quarterback. We're drafting a quarterback, a wide receiver, a running back, a tight end, and a flex. The flex can be anything. I don't give a shit. As long as it's a Packer player and it's not Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre, or Bart Starr, you can do that. Um, but yeah, we'll have our stupid little draft here. Uh, how are we going to pick? Are we going to do Why a snake draft here? Is no, we're we're gonna go definitely all, snake. No, I we're not gonna snake. snake. We got to do a snake draft. <laughs> Wait, no, it, what? There's what only are we four doing? of us. We have to go. We have to go all the way around in a row. Well, so the number one has such an advantage. I don't think so. Oh, you're just gonna get number one, and you're gonna pick all the players so, you want. Todd's going first. Oh, and Todd. Oh, wait, no, no, this is Bill, good. Uh, this is fine. I'm Bill clearly the weakest I'm link here. Last. That's been decided. Let's get on with it. Todd, you're picking first. This okay, is just like I just, Mark Murphy organization. You just run everything and pretend. Can we, fucking... can, uh, so mine all, you said like backyard slash fantasy. In slash, honor of flag football. In honor of flag football. So these aren't necessarily like, I'm not going to give you like the best players right. necessarily. But in you this circumstance that I'm providing, maybe the best. We don't know. So okay. backyard. So my QB is going to be Brian Brom, but he has big hands. He doesn't have <laughs> okay, small okay. hands. He has big hands. Great. Who knows what Brian Brom could have been with big hands, with, with man-sized hands. So that's Brian my pick. Brom going number one in the draft is a, a <laughs> shock. That, but No, but with big hands. Yeah, with big hands. With big hands. you got to... That's an addition. I didn't, I didn't know there were superpowers here like that we could just yes. mix in. You know? yes. I, I wish I would have planned ahead. That was an excellent use of the first overall pick. He <laughs> definitely would not have been there on the, on the, on the turn back. Great pick. Uh, Andrew, you are up. Yeah, I, uh, I think... We'd bring Curly Lambo as a flex, as an all-inclusive, everything Ooh. player in the backyard flag football game, plus historical points, obviously. Kind of like that. Okay, yeah, it's a good pick. I really, I really wanted, I wanted Curly. Ooh. That's why I knew I had to go round one. You know, just like, God. just like Todd knew Ryan would. would and to use him in the flex. And to use him in the flex, I mm-hmm. like it. So similar to you, Andrew, I want to get my flex in the first round here. I'm taking Paul Horning to be my flex. And when you think about all-purpose players, I mean, Paul Horning literally did just about everything for the Packers. He led block. He was a lead blocker for Jim Taylor. He was a running back, a runner uh, to spell Jim Taylor. He caught the ball out of the backfield. Vince Lombardi, or Bart Starr, who actually called the plays, loved to use him on halfback option passes. He kicked field goals and extra points for a time the perfect flex player for a backyard football game. At the risk of sounding like an idiot, didn't he also play defense? Not for us. Okay. He actually played quarterback in college at Notre Dame. Okay. Maybe that was in maybe that was in college that he played safety. Yeah, he and he I believe he only went to Notre Dame for one year and he hated it so bad he like flunked out and then he went to Green Bay after it was one or two years and that was in Notre Dame. Gee. He won the he won the Heisman his senior year at Notre Dame. What what am I thinking of? No then? big deal. Just won the Heisman. 
Oh, sorry. I'm thinking. I'm thinking Curly Lambo. I'm dumb as hell. Yeah. Yes, Paul Horning. <laughs> both both old guys. Once you get into like portraits of football players and like the golden boy with his like golden curly, curly hair, hair it, like in portrait mode, you know, painted. I'm like, oh, that's yes. way back in the day. Okay. Well, I am up. God, there's a lot of good. Sp- I'm just gonna go for it because there's really no one else at the position. I'm gonna take Jermichael Finley at tight end. Um, very tall, very fast, very big, a superhuman tight end. The back injury obviously ended his career, but as far as backyard football and the Packers history, I don't know if you could pick a better physical specimen than Jermichael Finley. He could block too, unlike uh, other, don't want to tip any picks, but unlike some other tight ends, but yes, Todd. And we can just go in any order we want here, right? Yep. I'm just going to go right down my list because I don't think you guys have any of mine. (laughs) Um, I'm going to go, well, you guys probably would have had this one. I'm going to go running back and I'm going to go Eddie Lacy. No China food. Oh, no, no China food, Eddie Lacy. No China food. So no risk of no weight needed. No, no weight ceiling needed in his contract. No incentive for that. No China food. No problem. Eddie Lacy. I like that. I'm going to go uh multi Super Bowl visitor. Matt Hasselbeck, you know, I got to get a good QB in my backyard game here. All right. Good insight, Billy. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I guess I'm going to go wide receiver and I'm going to take perhaps the greatest wide receiver in Packers history. One that could have challenged Jerry Rice had he stayed healthy. I'm going to take Sterling Sharp. Ah, yes. A very good pick. Um, that was a back injury too that ended his career, right? I I wonder yes. if he would have stayed healthy. How much better with the Packers in the ninety, like the ninety seven Super Bowl? You know, and can you imagine him with? I mean, Antonio Friedman Freeman led the league in receiving in ninety eight, I believe. I mean, I don't know that Sharp would have been around for that, but certainly the the Super Bowl run, or like in ninety five when we lost to Dallas, we lost to Dallas like three years in a row in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Would he have been enough to get us over the hump in one of those? Who's to say? Um, Me, with I, I think he would have been. <laughs> with my next pick, God, you guys are you're stealing my guys. I wanted Eddie Lacy, but I can't have him, so I'm going to take a different physical freak. Some might say Aaron Jones. I still, you know, he's the most productive Packers running back per carry in their history. Not a big guy, but he is still very fast. He still has one of the top 10 plays of the league so far this year. Week one on his long touchdown where he pulled his hammy and still being a 29 year old guy, I think 28, 29 years old. But once again, he can do everything, catch it. Uh, run it. I'm sure he can throw it too. So Aaron Jones is my second pick. Okay. Okay. I like it. Uh, I'm going to go wide receiver here and I'm going to say Jeff Janis, but he's only playing in the University of Phoenix Stadium and there's a minute left in the game. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) A good situational player. Yeah. Very situational, but also like you're going to bite off just chunks of yardage, right? Like it's going to be good, right? You're just every ball. Yeah, really, yeah, just a whole lot of nothing. Over 100 but... yards receiving on the same drive, perhaps. And if you think, I'm going to go out on a limb here. If you say amount of yardage, okay, so like completion percentage, he was two for two, right? So targeting him, what, 150, whatever, blah, blah, blah. He was perfect <laughs> targeting in that last minute. 
the amount of yards per reception also great like in a one minute span at the end of the game in university of phoenix stadium name a better name a better player it's tough yeah you can't maybe larry fitzgerald because he scored the touchdown that won the game i don't maybe i don't know but i like i like your team too because it's like I don't know. It's like you're a kid and you're like, no, 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 no. We got to play by my rules, though. My <laughs> rules. Special circumstances. I make the rules up as we go. Uh, Andrew? Yeah, I'm going to get my tight end out of the way with Taysom Hill. Ooh, yeah, there you go. I Who, who did you... So, <laughs> I like yeah. how you have Taysom Hill and Curly Lambeau. Like, <laughs> yeah. two... I, hey. Very, very one Packer flex. legend, one Packer, uh, what, like practice squad, maybe? <laughs> very good. Uh, Billy, what is your next pick? There's a lot of running backs left on the board, so I'm going to skip running back. For quarterback, I'm going to take, I think, who is inarguably the best, the, the best remaining Packers quarterback of all time after Favre, Starr, and Rodgers in some order. Lynn Dickey. Some of those offenses in the 80s were maybe uh, harbingers of things to come when we got uh, Brett Favre on board. With that, you know, I'm kind of surprised he's still not taken. I'm kind of between two guys here. But just to really live up to the name, I'm going to take Charles Woodson as my flex position. You know, obviously... Won the Heisman, offense, defense, his last year with the Raiders, his last game in Oakland. Yeah, I think it was in Oakland or whatever at the time. He did have the one of the last snaps on offense. They threw him the ball. He did not come down with it. But offense, defense, he can play both. Flag football, backyard football, he's going to be great. Charles Woodson, my flex. So yes. actually, just coincidentally, this, this afternoon I was watching a, a show on FS1 called The Perfect Ten about the 10 guys that have won both a Heisman Trophy and are in the NFL Hall of Fame. And the Packers have two players with that resume, Paul Horning and Charles Woodson. Ah, there you go. That's a, that's a good fun fact. Todd? All right. I'm going to go... We're going to go tight end here, and it's going to be Andrew Corliss, but we're only playing in the preseason. That's the only... We can only play preseason games. So if everybody remembers Andrew Corliss, always the hype man in the preseason, looked great, big bodied, looked good in shorts, you know, but once the pads were on, this is a little bit less impressive. I I was going to say, unless I would have said DJ Williams in shorts, the Arkansas tight end who was like a fourth rounder. Who Actually, okay, fine. We'll scrap that. I'm going to say Jay Sternberger. <laughs> you're you're but cutting we're playing, your tight end already. <laughs> cut him. Jay Sternberger, but we're playing in the XFL. I'll allow it. There the you US, go. That, USFL? I like that. Is it USFL or XFL? Either I forget he's which playing, one. He's playing the one the, the Rock owns. League. The one the Rock owns. Whichever one that is, I'm pretty sure that's the one he's in. Okay, I I like Either that. Way. We'll just we'll just have that. Uh, Jay Sternberger playing in whatever league the Rock owns. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, uh, I'm going back to my Sega days and uh, Amon Green as my running back. Mm, a, a well-rounded player who had fumbling issues early on. He more than but it any was other fun to play within Madden. You know, that's that's. Well, he he figured it out. He's one of the rare players that fixes fumbling problems. And he always the one thing, <laughs> the one thing I remember about Amon Green is his 
wrist guards, his forearm guards yes. that he always had. No other player seemed to Gross. wear those, but he always had those on. Yeah, it's it's, it's like he had I mean, the quarterback he, cheater. He wore like the the black rubber elbow sleeve yeah, things too, right. and it's like, dude, it's raining. Why are you wearing those? I don't understand what the elbow things do. Is that just extra? Couldn't you just wear elbow pads instead of the rubber? I didn't. Unless it's like it's like a, it's trying to straighten his arms, and I don't know why you would want that, but. That's just yeah, me. I don't understand. Yeah. Billy? Uh, so at running back, I'm going to change gears a little bit because the couple of guys that I wanted at running back are gone. And since this is flag football, I don't really know that I need a Jim Taylor that's going to run people over. Hmm. So I'm going to go with another. Well, I mean, it's backyard football. We're just using oh, flag football well, as a crutch. So you could, you know, we're still going to run people over. I. I'm going to go with another 1960s Packer, Travis the Roadrunner Williams. Ooh, the Roadrunner. Who, <laughs> who had a couple of, uh, I think he might still own the NFL record for kickoff return touchdowns in a season or something. You know you know, it's a dated player and reference when the nickname is Roadrunner. Like people, because of the cartoon, were like, yes, this is what's fast. This He's is what we so view fast. as speedy. <laughs> Wow. Well, that was Cecil Turner and Travis Williams are tied. So you are correct there, Billy. <laughs> I'm technically correct, which is the best kind of correct. <laughs> Very good. I will pick next. I still need a quarterback and receiver, and I think you guys all have quarterbacks. So I'm going to take a receiver. I, you know, maybe it's a weird pick. You know, it's, you know, I've got some different errors here, but I am going to pick Christian Watson at wideout. I just give me the fast. Give me fast. Give me tall. I think he can figure out backyard football without a helmet on, and he's going to be able to catch all the balls and outrun people. But uh, yes, Christian Watson, an absolute freak, freaky fast. He is my wide receiver number one. It's tough because I have a bunch left over that I could throw into the flex, <laughs> but it's tough to decide. Like, who do you like? Do I grab another tight end, another wideout, another running back? I mean, what do you do here? Is it a super flex? Can I take a QB? I mean, it, it is a super flex. You just can't. It can't flex. be Favre, Starter, Rogers. <sighs> okay. Well, I think I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna take a Dom Dom Capers defense, but we're always playing rookie QBs, and so we're gonna get a lot of picks. We're gonna. Yeah, but you need one player. You need one player. He's taking them all. It's a you flex. Can't, that's, I can, that's too many. That, I can't but, take. But it's got to be one I, player. Dom and Capers. Have Dom Capers, who just comes Dom, as if, and it, he's coaching kind of from the sideline and helping out the whole team. Then you're picking Dom Capers. Dom Capers. Dom Capers. Dom Capers is seventy situation. Everyone else is in their rookie year when he's coaching. So, yeah. so what? What happens in this backyard football league when you don't play a rookie quarterback? <laughs> yeah. They just all regress to their rookie <laughs> status. <laughs> They're all rookies when, like, that's his superpower. Like, when he is on well, the then, field. And Dom's not, on the field, probably, I guess, in this scenario. Why not just go with Vince Lombardi as your flex and say that every game is a Super Bowl? Can't do that. That would be cheating. <laughs> like, <laughs> Todd drafting the most situational football team of all time. All of his own players are situational, and even the entire Even the team other team. <laughs> yeah. Has to be something certain. All right, Andrew, your last pick. Um, finishing up with uh, Mr. Jordy. Just I uh, think it'd be a nice addition to my, my well-balanced team here. All right, cool. Very great pick. Billy? So my 
remaining position is tight end. And this was my fear because there are not a lot of good tight ends in Packers history, number one. So I had to do some Googling before I got on here. And come to find out the Packers' leading all-time tight end in terms of receiving yards is still on the board. So I'm going to take Mr. Paul Kaufman, who has not played for the Packers in almost 40 years. Wow. Very good. That, that's a good good pick. I'm sure I wouldn't have taken him, but... Uh, that's Dom, why I took him last. Mm-hmm. Dom is putting the clamps on him. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's like I'm going to show you guys how to do it. he runs out there and covers them yeah uh, with his comb over and all yeah well I was going to say that and I feel like he always had like a big hat his hats always looked really big I just remember like a man his age with hair that dark and then combed <laughs> over to the side I'm like Didn't that he have hair a visor that real. he used to wear during like training camp which was an odd choice for a man you're with probably a right yeah I think you are right that he wore a weird it was some it was either a visor or like a weird hat. Which is funny because anytime I think of Dom Capers, the expression on his face looks is like he's looking into the sun. You know, like he's trying to wince in every I'm just, image I have of him. All I can see is like it's the camera that's looking up into the box at him. And like that's all I can see. And like the hair is like jet black. And like, he's sleeping. Yeah. And he's once again sleeping. Um, my last pick. This might come as a bit of a surprise, and it kind of ruined everything. Is Andrew took who I wanted um, right off the bat, so I'm going to do the next best thing, and I'm going to take for my quarterback. You know, once again with uh, Jermichael Finley, Aaron Jones, Charles Woodson, uh, and Christian Watson. I am taking Packers legend Arnie Herber, who was the quarterback in the 30s. They won the NFL championship in 1930, 1931, 1936, and 1939. Uh, his career touchdown to INT ratio is 81 to 106. <laughs> he is in the Packers Hall of Fame, one of the better quarterbacks we've had in our history. Mostly what I did with my draft is I my goal was to pick a team that would absolutely uh, destroy reality for the quarterback. So... I was hoping 1920s Curly Lambeau running into Jermichael Finley, a massive human being. Aaron Jones, a small but fast one. Christian Watson, who can run incredibly fast. Like he's, he's, you know, he wasn't even playing with black people back then. And Charles Woodson, who could play on both sides of the ball. I wanted to just create chaos in the mind of my quarterback. I wanted to be Curly. Had to settle with Arnie, so that is my backyard football team. Um, I I mentioned how bad the Packers... Well, I don't know that I mentioned how bad the Packers quarterbacks were outside of the top three, but Arnie Herber last played in 1940. He's still eighth in Packers history in passing yards in a career. (laughs) Wow. The man has not played football in 83 years, and he's still eighth in Packers history. So... Great drafts from all of us. Why don't we just read off our own teams? Andrew, why don't you start first? Is there, does out? anybody have like an I got everyone mentioned if you want, but... Well, I think it's better if we read our own, especially if Todd reads his. Yeah, that's his fair. Own. So, okay, Andrew, I had... Oh, well, am I reading people? it? Wait, Todd, you you go last because yours is fucking stupid. Okay. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Well, I like Todd's. Um, all right, Matt Hasselback, Jordy Nelson, Amon Green, Packers legend Taysom Hill, and uh, Curly Lambeau. Wow, 
Wow. I when you started reading it, it only got too deep. I thought for a second you only drafted white guys. I <laughs> But you you did draft I'm on greens in there. <laughs> yes. Okay, Billy. So Damn, I, I wish I would have thought that midway. I got it. <laughs> I'm so mad at myself right now. Billy. I apparently I took this the most serious out of the four of us. I tried to take <laughs> the best player at the top of my list. And actually got the best player at the top of my list for four of my positions, so I was pretty happy about that. Wow. So I got Lynn Dickey at quarterback, Travis the Roadrunner Williams at running back, Sterling Sharp at wide receiver, Paul Kaufman at tight end, and Paul the Golden Boy Horning at the flex. Boring. That uh, A team that uh, my father and my great-grandfather would probably <laughs> that you put together there um, uh probably your great-grandfather <laughs> realistically yeah. and again i'll run through mine quick arnie herber the quarterback from the 30s charles woodson is the flex aaron jones running back michael finley the tight end christian watson at wideout todd your team i had brian brahm with big hands i had eddie lacy no china food exists i had jeff janis but it's at the university of phoenix stadium in the last minute of the game and then I had, at tight end, I had Jay Sternberger, but it's whatever league that The Rock owns. That's the only league we play in. And then I had Dom Capers coaching the defense, but it's only against rookie QBs, so we're going to intercept the ball a lot. You know, we're going to put up a lot of defensive points. So, Todd, a couple of questions, actually, about your team. First, yeah. Brian Brom's big hands. Yes. How, how big are they? Are we're they talking like, like Brett Favre-sized hands. Okay. 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 Like we're giving so, him like big hands, but not like the biggest hands known to humankind. <laughs> like Mickey no, Mouse like, hands that are like <laughs> blowing out of your sleeve. No, like we're making him like just all he needs is the big hands. That's all he needs. That's all he's missing, right? He, that's the that's the missing piece, sure. right? Okay. He did, he's not he like a gorilla. Like that's what I envisioned. It he first. had like the baby hands. He had like the hands. Right. Right. SNL where they stick the hand and it's just when, like classic baby hand. When does he get the big hands? Does he get the hands the day of the game, a week before, so we could get used to them? He, it's like he was is born he, with big it, hands. Uh, so like, he was he's born with hands this size. He is a stud. Like, it's incredible. It's incredible, yeah. Okay, so then my second question is Eddie Lacy. Let's just assume that there's no Chinese fa- food known China to man. Food. China food. No, he China called food. it specifically China so, food. So... <laughs> Don't you think he could still get fat on Mexican food or deep fried cheese curds because it is Wisconsin after all? Or, I mean, we could go with Italian food. Maybe he likes British food. I don't know. But Nobody I likes feel, British food. So I feel like the, the man could still take. get fat on a lot of those things. Here's the thing. You want Eddie Lacy is going to be a little fat, right? And like that's okay, right? Like he didn't come into the league. There was never a six pack, right? Like he was never looking slim. But you, do, what you don't want is three bills. You can't have three bills running the ball. That just doesn't work. So the China food that just put him over the edge. You want a chunky lacy, but, but, but you the just deep fried cheese curds that keeps him hovering around two ninety. That's okay. Who's I think to say? so. Yeah, he just was. A, it, it was too much. I don't know what he what his favorite China food is, but whatever it was, it was a lot of it, and it was too much. When you have to have an incentive, your incentive is to lose weight in an NFL contract. And you get paid money, and you still don't do it. 
that's how you know the China food is wrecking your life. Yeah, that's that's a thing I don't remember because I know the contract he signed with Seattle after he was done playing in Green Bay, he had like he had to be this his weight. But I don't know if he ever like didn't meet the weight quota, but he was only there for the one year and he got cut or whatever. And that one was... one could assume he wasn't able to meet the quota, and they were like, "Yeah, we're gonna walk away." Is Seattle known for China food? I don't. I don't think so. I would think they're not, even though they're probably closer to China than most. But we're not saying NFL it was cities. good China food. Yeah, it just was that just, they have it. That it was, he just it was, really. It was just he, he, he was really just loved it. Scraping the bottom much, of the barrel, whatever which is China Seattle food which is, is okay. What? Seattle's home to the eighth largest Chinese population in the United States. They probably have honestly probably have great Chinese food. So I'm. T- I mean that that's a great question, Billy. I, and all you need is one good Chinese place. You can just go to that place over and over again. That is a Hall of Fame fact check right there, too. By the way, that was good. I gotcha. was say, the much like Eddie Lacy's career, I think the thing with the China food is not the uh, quality of it, but rather the quantity of it. Uh, Correct. Yes. yes. Todd, right. did did you for your tight end? Did you call an audible? Because I had you for Andrew Quarles. Yeah, we scratched that one, and we did Jace Sternberger, oh. but he's only in the XFL, because if you remember, this year in the XFL, <laughs> okay. Jace Sternberger like, Got led it. the league in touchdowns for tight ends. Got it. Maybe right. for everybody. Yes, the, the very famous Andrew Quarrel. Um, with that, we do have one last thing, or maybe a second to last thing. Is Kyle an idiot? I'm not an idiot. Okay. You sure? Yes. Okay, is Kyle an idiot for the week? You guys are nine and six? Nine and six. Th- yeah, nine and six yes. on the season. All right, good. Mental math worked worked pretty well there for the first time you ever. You can tell right. I haven't been here that much. Uh, yeah, <laughs> All right. Uh, is Kyle an idiot? Three Packers trivia questions. First one, who has more snaps on the season for the Packers, Aaron Jones or Patrick Taylor? Patrick Taylor. That's just my gut. I said snaps, right? Yeah, snaps. Yeah, snaps. snaps. I think it's for sure Patrick Taylor. I mean, Aaron Jones played like 10 snaps or 12 snaps against Detroit. I don't know how many he played against Didn't Patrick Taylor Chicago. have like 20-some snaps last week? Yeah, I but he's he asking the question, probably thinking you're going to answer the not obvious answer because it <laughs> would be the obvious answer, I'll which bite. makes That's, me believe, yeah. God, I just, you know... I, I say Patrick Taylor. I'm good with that. Yes, it I, is Patrick Taylor. I'm just going to cut you off once again before Andrew tries to get well you. No, I was going to agree with that. No, he, That's what no I'm that he was saying I'm the agreeing same thing. with Patrick Taylor. Yes, Patrick Taylor. Uh, Aaron Jones has 48 touches, and Patrick Taylor has 22 more than that, which is 70. So, and snaps. Let's get, he, snaps, not touches. Sorry, yes. Snaps. Yes, I went back and forth on that, but yeah. Uh, Free agent who isn't on a practice squad in the NFL, Patrick Taylor, has more snaps on the offense than Aaron Jones, obviously injured, but there you go. Uh, Number two, what Packers running back bashed in an intruder's head with a bedpost? Cedric Benson. Right? You you were so confident on that. I'm I'm, super confident that's (laughs) what it is. I'm going with Cedric Benson. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Can we just talk this out for one second? Was Cedric Benson the one whose dog attacked the cows? That might be Cedric Benson. 
Either way, I'm shocked you didn't bring this monster well, on your so, backyard football team. So my my first thought was <laughs> Najee Davenport, but I thought he took a crap in somebody's laundry hamper, so I don't think it's him. Oh, I don't know anything about that. I think I, it's either Cedric Benson <laughs> or it's Christian Michael. Are you guys, what are you going with? Cedric Benson, I think. I Yeah, go with that. Yeah, run it. That is wrong. Todd, oh. you were correct. Got a lot of weird things with former Packers running backs. Yes, Cedric Benson, he had a run-in with the police because his dogs killed a cow or another <laughs> dog or something. They got loose. Dang the it. Um, he did pass away a couple years ago, so RIP. Uh, Najee Davenport, Billy, yes, he did crap in oh. a woman's hamper on campus when he was in college, I believe. Um, was he that, the wizard? That, that was in the height of the days of the U, though. So I, yes. I think that's. Wait, I mean, which manner. of us has not crapped in somebody's hamper in the height of the U? True. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I've never. never. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, uh, sorry, the answer was Noah Heron back in 2006, oh, 2007. Right. Nope. What what's the backstory for attacking somebody with a bedpost? And how so, do you have a bedpost lying around? So this is I do this remember is the, the story, story, and this is all legit. Like this did happen. I remember like a year or two after he was saying how he was like still scarred from it. Um, according to a criminal complaint, Heron was in an upstairs bedroom playing a video game and talking by phone with his girlfriend at around eleven thirty, um, May thirtieth, when the doorbell rang twice. He ignored it and then heard people on his deck, so he called the police. When he heard breaking glass, he realized people were inside and coming up the stairs. He called the police a second time. Then he unscrewed a bedpost, hid behind a bedroom door, and saw a man enter and take cash from his desk drawer. Heron told police the man went to the stairs and called to someone else, which made him fear for his life as he realized there was at least two people inside. When the second intruder came in, Heron hit him in the head, then shut the bedroom door to keep the other man out. He said he heard one person running outside and when the man on the floor started to get up he hit him again and then went to his garage and told police a man upstairs needed medical attention so. that is legit scary yeah do, can you imagine like leg, that's like the fear of home intrusion like you're literally hiding behind your bedroom door with a fucking club and you knock someone over the head let's it. spin this what's scarier you're walking up the stairs you just broke into someone's house your buddy is calling to you all of a sudden you turn the corner to you come up the stairs he gets whacked with a <laughs> bed post and the door shuts and you're like that guy's dead like my friend is dead like, yeah. he just got killed well you're saying yes that would be scary but two the other thing that's funny is it was the second guy the first guy goes in the bedroom and he's like ah oh, i'm good he leaves second guy oh goes it in wasn't the same even room. yeah and then he gets bashed over the head so it's Count your blessings. Yeah, yeah. Not, uh, not very good, but one and one for uh, trivia for the week. Good job thus far. The last question, eh, I think this is easier. In 2007, we were playing the Broncos this week. The Packers beat the Denver Broncos in overtime on Monday Night Football. Greg Jennings had two touchdowns in that game, False. or at least one. He had uh, one, the game winner in overtime. Yeah, so he had the one, whatever. What rookie caught the other? James Jones. Yep, it is James Jones. Very good. Two and one on the week. Billy, what is my stump spenny question? The Green Bay Packers in January of 1997 played the Denver Broncos in Super Bowl 31. Which player started in that game for Green Bay and then also started in Super Bowl 33 for the Atlanta Falcons? Andre Risen. 
No, it was Eugene Robinson. Ah, oh, damn it. Who started at safety. He had an interception in Super Bowl 33, and I think he got arrested for soliciting a prostitute or something <laughs> the night before the game. All right. Very cool. Yeah, I think I think that was when they started, like, people were getting worried about the Super Bowl. Like, even in the early 2000s, people were like, oh, better keep everything close. And even, like, the Patriots, didn't they? No, they just made that corner inactive for other reasons. But that was always, like, a story. And now it's like everyone's just on such lockdown, I'm sure, the night before. That shit could never, ever happen again. Well, there was the... Antonio Brown the, came back. Before the Bucks and... Raiders Super Bowl, like the Raiders center just like went completely AWOL that that week, like just disappeared. Hmm. Yeah, God, I don't remember that one as much, but uh, some Dennis Rodman moves. Yeah. <laughs> With that, uh, ending things out for this episode, our bye week, it kind of sucks it's not in the middle of the year, but I do want to have some last rest of season bold predictions, each of us having one bold prediction. Not as bold as what we do for the weekly, but something that could the feel of this team, the feel of this season, any bold predictions you want to, you know, end on before we get into the rest of the season, Todd? Packers related, obviously, right? We're not doing just bold yes, predictions yeah. in general. Yeah, well, we'll see. Things. Yes, but yeah, okay. Packer related. Mine's, I'm doubling down on my bold prediction from the preseason. Uh-oh. That, that is it? Lou Nichols? Lou Nichols. Is still going to overtake AJ Dillon for his snaps by the end of the season. Okay, incredibly bold. I, you know, if it was going to happen, I would have thought it would have been this week with signing a practice right. squad running back. I, that didn't I, happen. Well, it makes it more bold. Incredibly, Andrew. What is your bold prediction? Um, we get our shit together and take a wild card spot going into the playoffs. Wow. Ooh, that probably, is bold. That probably is bold. couldn't pick a more boring prediction, but yes. Yeah, I'm good. just trying to be hopeful, <laughs> you know. Yeah, Billy? Um, I'm going to say, so the Packers' single-season sack record is 19.5 by Tim Ooh. Harris. I had to look this up. I'm going to say that Rashawn huh. Gary challenges that record. <laughs> I'm not going to say he breaks it. Okay, it has to be bold. But he'll cha- okay. okay. So okay, well, my- challenge means it hits just, 19 and just, a half on the dot. Andrews, let, once we it. make the playoffs, Todd, what, what was yours again? It was some Lou Nichols yeah, overtakes Lou Nichols. AJ Dillon for his snaps. And Billy, you're like he's going to compete. <laughs> okay, so okay, let, let me clarify this then. So second all time is. Reggie White was 16. I will say that Rashawn Gary gets at least 16 and a half. Cool. Okay. I like that. <laughs> my, um, my bold <laughs> prediction, kind of sticking with, uh, I don't want to say the theme of this episode. I'm still very optimistic. I, you know, A lot of people are down. I still think there's a good chance we're going to make a playoff run. I think this team's going to be alive up through week 17. But I would hope they're they're physically breathing alive. at that time. <laughs> playoff playoff alive 17 18 whatever um oh, thank you but my bold prediction kind of going in with the mark murphy stuff too this week i think this is going to be the last i don't think this is going to happen but i if i could bet on it if i were given odds and i could bet on it this is the last year that matt lafleur is the head coach of the green bay packers i think there's a decent chance that shit still falls apart with the offense i think mark murphy and Brian Gutekunst, who, you know, they work, they're both in the front office more, they talk more. I think a lot of the blame is going to get pushed onto Matt LaFleur for this offense not coming together. And I think he's the scapegoat, and Mark Murphy fires him. 
because he wants to start a new regime before he has to call it quits in 2025. That is my bold prediction for the season. I want to just get a, a request or a question, I guess. So let's say our team falls apart and we have a top five pick. Do we move That's, forward with love, in your opinion, or, but, or do we try to get one of those all-time generational studs, if you will? I don't know. I feel like we can't even talk about it because that would be dependent on how Jordan Love plays. Sure. You know? I just so. wanted a quote from you so I could reference it in year two, three, four to say how wrong you were or correct, you know. I mean, right now, this is dumb. We don't know anything. Yeah, He's only seven, seven starts in his I'm career. Just... But I would I would probably rather have Drake May or uh, right. Caleb than, than Jordan Love. I don't think that's a hot take, though, either. No, no, that's fair. CJ Stroud's killing it. I just don't know that we're going to be bad enough. Right. To be in, yeah. to be in yeah, that If we're position. not bottom five, we're not going to get it, and that's fine. If it's... we're not bottom three, we're not sure, going to get it. Sure. Well, the, the thing is, too, I forgot who said this, but things will definitely change. But as it's looking right now, it's the Bears have their pick and the Panthers pick, and they're not going to let the Packers move up. Right. So that's right. the other thing to think about. And, and the Bears also don't need to take a quarterback, but good grief that they have both of those. Well, they might need to take a quarterback. <laughs> That, then they could finally move Fields how Justin to, Fields uh, comes out. So they could they could the trade end. the second <laughs> pick and let you know whoever come up and take Drake May, the Cardinals. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I would think they gotta. I don't know. They, they they have to eventually be a little bit competent. I still love seeing people were playing it again. How uh, Poles in his introductory presser said the number one goal is to own uh, to take the NFC North and never give it back, and they are zero and eight since he has taken over for the Chicago Bears. But uh, with that, nothing too much else. Uh, corrections from last week. The only thing I remember is I cut off uh, when I said quick commercial break. I said here's a quick, and then it was cut off. Uh, and I didn't want to go back to fix that audio, so I didn't say here's a quick commercial break. I said here's a quick. Um, yeah. Everybody that's knows it. what that's short for. You get a yeah. lot of emails about that, you know? like Literally none, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you get any emails this week at all? None. No, come on. I No, just the... Thousands. You know, spam. Thousands, yes. Yeah, sorry. So, so all of our listeners, I want you to email Spencer at pmppod at gmail.com or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. That if you like might this. be a made-up email address. I don't know. We'll find out. It is a real one, but yes, pmppodcast at gmail.com or pmppod on Twitter. Uh, leave a review and stuff. That is it. Do you guys have anything else? We're not going to do any other bold predictions for, like, for the year. I mean, do you have any more? I'm going to hold myself accountable. Uh, bold prediction, I'm going to clean up all the leaves in my yard before the first <laughs> snowfall. Is that you any get that snow first first trace first snowfall snow? that like stays how about that okay. like the first That's like fair. real snow i like stays. i like mowing my leaves there's a mulch feature on the lawnmower yeah, yeah. i just well yeah, you I guys gotta mow. bag you, you can... actually bag your like grass because when nope. i do i, I only did. use the bag for leaves and it makes it so much easier i did the raking it was horrible because i had to put all the leaves in bags in this is the most Boy, excited and involved one... andrew's been since we started well, yeah I, I can relate to this entirely i got the one big uh, yard waste bin. It's like a trash bin, so I don't have to oh, have multiple have little bags. I've got one of I those. I I filled up that stupid thing with pine li- with pine needles from my backyard, and there were still a bunch left over. So I've got a a boatload of bags that I need to use. That's or a, see, a pain use. in the ass. The bags. I hate the bags. The bags are the worst. With that, Eric Koskinen, please. 
Don't sue us. News. I'm not an idiot. You sure? <laughs> what were some of the old ones that you used to have? The segments. Oh well, before take news, it used to be Trump. <laughs> what? At the very yeah what? At, yeah at the very beginning, the first two years, it was uh yeah. Trump he, it, news? Oh, and you says, you said take, take news. You said take, and then it was him. Yeah, saying I news. edited it so because it was fake news. He said take oh, news. Yeah, it was something oh, like that. that. Yeah. And then everything got too political, so it's like I'm gonna get rid of this. <laughs> um, I I remember the commercial breaks with B to B data guy. Oh yeah, those are classics oh, right there. Yeah, yes. those bad ones yeah, back in. Still, my favorite. Not to, not to get on. Well. First, the Christmas one for B2B Data Guy was hilarious because someone was dying and your lead saved their life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There was like an angel busting through the window. <laughs> yeah. I got you. I know exactly what you need. <laughs> oh, my God. Your leads are amazing. Yeah, I should. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. Oh, sorry. Well, I'll try to th- find that after maybe. <laughs> okay. Doctor. Are you going to be able to save him? I'm sorry. He has a terminal case of pink eye. No doctor could cure this. <laughs> Wait, I think I can help. Have you tried giving him a large dose of my leads? I'm sorry, your what? My leads. My leads from my email campaigns. Sir, I don't think you understand what's going on here. This man is dying. We have no other choice. My leads have revitalized sales teams across the nation. If they can help businesses flourish, there's no way they can't save this man's life from pink eye. You bring up a good point. You really think you can save him? My leads have saved companies for years. This is nothing. We have nothing to lose. Hurry! All right. I'll just fire up this campaign, and we'll have a handful of leads ready in seconds. My God. He's cured. Where am I? What happened? I thought my eye was uncurable. The magic of our leads saved your life. Visit b2bdataguide.com if this ever happens to you again. Visit b2bdataguide.com today. Okay, back I like on the track. Truly, madly, deeply. Cover. Yeah. Really, that was yeah. A oh, classic. oh, but I was going to say the other one outside of that was Sterling and the horse commercial. That yes. was a good one. Oh yes, that is what I was thinking of the horse <laughs> commercial. Aha! Gas prices getting you down. Have you been looking for a more environmental alternative? <laughs> Greetings there, folks. This is Leonard Bushnell III. Me and my kin been in the automotive selling business since my grandpappy opened his first lot at the turn of the century. But since losing my license to sell cars, I've sold my entire stock of fine automobiles and purchased a superb cachet of God's most wondrous creatures. The Mighty Horse. I got big horses, small horses, horses that climb on rocks, draft horses, thoroughbreds, and even some spotted ones. So come on down to the Bushnell Family Corral and get you one. 
We're located at 14th and Dixie, or you can just follow the smell. <laughs> yeah, you had fake commercials. I forgot about that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the horse one was the best. God, yeah, God. that was good. Okay. <laughs>